This is David Barris, president of the American Association of Bank Directors. Today, we have as our guest Charlie Kelly to discuss what every bank director should know about bank technology. This is part two to our discussions with Charlie. He's a partner at Remedy Consulting. Remedy advises banks and credit unions on system selections and contract negotiation, vendor management, mergers and acquisitions, and technology strategy. He hosts a thought leadership podcast for bank executives called Bank Talk. Prior to Remedy, Charlie served as the vice president of product pricing and contracts at Fiserv, where he was responsible for negotiating client contracts, setting products, and pricing strategy. Please let me know if you have any follow-up questions by contacting me at dbarris at aabd.org. All right, let's call Charlie. Hello, Charlie. Welcome to ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast. Hey, David, I appreciate you having me back. Thank you very much. We've been talking technology, and now I want to turn this to discuss the contracts associated with these. Clearly, these are large expenses for the bank. Should a director have any oversight in the contract process? Well, David, that's a great question, and it does, you know, uh, kind of go back to some of the things that we talked about in the previous episode. But I think probably the most interesting thing I think about from a director's perspective is this. Um, Most CEOs don't look to their directors to hit the tactical items. So, you know, when you're talking about a contract of any size, whether it's real estate, whether it's employee contracts, or whether it's a technology contract, I think from a director's perspective, you at a very high level want to have oversight in some of the largest spend items. And I think what what jumps to mind in these, these contracts, so typically the tech is about the third largest expenses. It's behind real estate and personnel, and those two bounce back and forth as far as which one costs you the most. But the unique thing about this, the technology contracts is they come up, as we discussed in the, the previous episode, once every five to seven years, and they're, they can be negotiated at one time, one-third of all their expenses for the next five years are being negotiated in that contract. The same thing from a terms and conditions, right? Terms and conditions are only being negotiated once every five to seven years. And you don't have that anywhere else, right? Your personnel contracts come up as they come up. Your real estate contracts, um, you may have a longer-term real estate contract, but it won't be branch by branch. So you may have eight or ten of them spread out and, and you know, occurring at different times. The tech contract is one where a large amount of spend and all done in just one big clump. So I think what I would probably say is as you think about that contract, you as a, as a bank director should have a little bit of oversight in knowing when's it coming up, what's the timing, who's going to negotiate it, those types of things. And, uh, you know, do, do you have an expert on the terms and conditions side that can kind of speak to the things that some of these vendors might have given to, you know, to, to our peers or whatever, right? Uh, what are they willing to give and, and, you know, what are they not willing to give? Well, Charlie, um, there's a lot of information there. Uh, I wanted to ask you about two specific things you said, price and contract terms. This is interesting for all our listeners. Let's start with terms and conditions. 
Can you explain a couple of risks that a director should be concerned about? Yeah, to me, David, probably the biggest risk that, you know, with the oversight that an outside director has, probably the biggest risk that should jump to mind is anything that's sort of a, a special item, right? Let, as, I'll, I'll give you an example. Suppose we're thinking about a merger, an acquisition, maybe we're going to buy a branch. Those types of risks can be really expensive in these contracts. In other words, there can be a, a, a pretty significant penalty for special events. And, and the reason that there is is because, you know, think about this. The contract is written on the vendor's paper. So, you know, when you start digging into contract terms and conditions, there's, you know, we think about it two ways. We say always, you know, argue the things that look like they might not be in your favor and always find the things that they didn't write in, <laughs> right? So it's it's really kind of a, it's a, a two-phased approach, right? But when you talk about the special, right, we used to talk about things that are related to um, you going through a merger or you going to acquire somebody. There's a, the, you know, sometimes these are six and seven figure dollar amounts that might be penalties related to uh, probably the, the two biggest that we get are going to be early termination and then conversion and deconversion fees. And to some degree, these are probably a couple of the biggest things that are left out of the contract um, or covered in very, very minute language in those contracts because um, what will happen is when it's time for this event to happen, the vendor then has the ability to more or less give you whatever quote they want. And so if you're really not careful around that, you might end up with a real problem that might even, you know, deter you from doing something like a branch acquisition or, um, you know, acquiring the other person or selling your bank. I mean, these are, these are penalty numbers that are big enough that you got to really pay attention to them in that once every five, seven year window that you get. And then I think probably the second risk I would say that really jumps to mind is that timing around that contract. So I'll give you a, the, the first thing that jumps to my mind is we want to completely change our vendor out. And we'd start thinking about it a year ahead of time. So the contract ends one year from today. We start thinking about it. Well, if you don't really have that timing down and somebody didn't sort of project plan around it, First of all, it's going to take you a while to find a vendor. It's going to take you a time to negotiate with that vendor. And then you're going to realize that they also have a year that they need. They need, you know, nine to 12 months to get you on their calendar to put, you know, to deconvert you from the current system and convert you into the new system. Now, that's an extreme example. That's, a, that's the core and everything else that goes with it goes along with those numbers. But I guess the point I'm making is, you as an outside director should have a pretty good understanding of whether or not when the contract is coming up and whether it's reasonable if, we're, if you're going to make any big moves in that contract, whether or not that's reasonable to get accomplished, whatever you're trying to get accomplished. So, you know, maybe just a, maybe a, I guess in short, I would say it's oversight into the timing and, you know, just who's going to be doing the negotiation and how you're going to be thinking about that. Last question for you, Charlie. Um, how should a director or bank CEO think about price as it relates to technology contracts? 
Yeah, I, so from a price perspective, this is how I always think about it. Now, I spent quite a few years working at a vendor, so it, it, I may have a jaded approach. But I think about it this way, right? If you go out today and buy a car, and this is, you know, maybe more from a CEO's perspective than a outside director's, but I want the outside directors to be able to think about it this way. If I go out and buy a car today, I can go on the Internet, I can figure out what prices are, I can, you know, of course, I've got some options and some colors, but in general, I know whether it's a used car or a new car, I know roughly the range I should be paying. 20 years ago, or maybe 30, before the Internet, before the Kelly Blue Book, you know, whatever date that was, you used to go in there and go, I want the Blue Buick. And they were able to drop, a, a you know, an MSRP number on you, right? And you thought the MSRP was good, and you might... You might thought you you know you might have thought you were a great negotiator or a terrible one. You didn't know what it was worth and what the guy who walked in after you paid for that same Buick, right? That's how it is in core technology contracts. They, there is no published. There, there's a, a published rate, but that does not at all correlate to what the person, you know, the, the CEO next door is paying. For whatever, you know, if she runs a $200 million asset bank and you run a $200 million asset bank, she could be paying a half of what you pay today. So so I guess probably from a price perspective, what I would say is, you know, who, as, as you see this contract coming, if you're going to just stay with your current um, uh, vendor, right, who is going to negotiate that contract? Is it, you know, if your CEO or your CFO are going to be the ones doing the negotiation, the first question I would ask is, um, if, if you do one of these five every five or seven years and a CFO's average term is about five years, uh, how many of them have they done? How would they know what the rest of the world is paying? So, you know, there's, there's a, a, an opportunity to either go find a consultant to come up with maybe potentially a better way to do it, and I think the, the outside directors have some obligation to be able to say, you know, if we don't feel like we've done a ton of these, go get some outside help because, you know, there are folks out there that just have a lot more repetition. And, it, again, it may be good repetition, maybe bad repetition, but, you know, sometimes war stories are better than, uh, the, you know, you're the strongest negotiator. The person who jumps up and down the most is not necessarily the one that gets the best deal. So you sort of owe it to your bank to, figure out what peers of a similar size pay and determine whether or not, you know, you're paying in the same range. Because I think from their perspective, um, you you know, it all drops to the bottom line, right? Any expense reductions you could get are going to be a victory for you. You know, it's way better than paying a higher bill for something that maybe the person next door is not paying quite as much for. Does that Charlie, make sense, David? Uh, that... it, it really does. And this has been most helpful uh want to thank you again very much for joining us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, David. Thank you very much for having me.